With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Sorry about the noise. My neighbor's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Welcome back. Damien Watson with you here on SEN, your home of sport right around the country. If you want to text in at any stage, 0433981116 is the number. Well, the Premier League returns in England after the second international break of the season. And it's going to be interesting. Newcastle beginning a new era with the first match under the new Saudi ownership against Tottenham. And from a footballing perspective, there are a lot of intriguing clashes to look forward to. Chris Coles, our man from the BBC, joins us to dissect the fixtures ahead. How are you, Chris? I'm very well, Damien. Yeah, very well, thank you. Looking forward to the uh, the return of the Premier League. That's it. How did you spend the international break? Obviously, there's still football around. Yeah, it's been um, it, it has been interesting actually, and and following the home nations here. We're getting to the the real crunch time of, of World Cup qualifying. So England are pretty much guaranteed a place at, at Qatar next year. Mm. Uh, they slipped up a little bit against Hungary. Uh, but really the big stories are, are Wales and Scotland, who are both still battling to try and, and reach Qatar. Um, Northern Ireland, sadly, a little bit out of it. So you're right that there's... There's lots to uh, there's lots to dislike sometimes about international breaks because it can be a bit sleepy. But at least now we're we're getting towards the business end of World Cup qualifying, and we also had the Nations League final, which has been really good. And, and we had France uh, beating Spain in a really interesting Nations League final. So it's actually been quite a an exciting international break. It's not always like that. That's true, particularly this time of year, although we are getting towards the crux end of potentially seeing who will qualify right across the board for the World Cup next year. Let's get stuck into the EPL fixtures. Watford take on Liverpool. You would expect Liverpool to win this, although Watford haven't begun the season in absolutely awful fashion. They've gained seven points from their first seven matches, and Claudio Ranieri begins his latest project, his first matches, Watford boss. What can we expect here? Well, yes, uh, I'm not sure is the honest answer, Damien. It's great to see Claudio Ranieri back in the Premier League because he's great value, he's great entertainment, formerly at Chelsea, but really that's been eclipsed by his success with Leicester City, winning the Premier League title with the Foxes. We all know the story, just remarkable. We will not see a story like that ever again in the Premier League. 5,000 to one shot Leicester City. Ranieri comes in, wins the Premier League. And doesn't actually last too long after that, such as the cutthroat nature of football, that he was dismissed the season after because Leicester weren't really performing. So he's back in the Premier League with Watford, a team under the, the Italian Pozzo family that sack managers at will. And Gisco Munoz, who lost his job recently, had had a pretty OK start to the Premier League when you consider that Watford only came up last season. They have picked up some decent wins. They beat Villa opening day of the season. They, they got a win against fellow promoted side Norwich and and they've been in games they lost narrowly to Tottenham for instance uh, they were beaten by Wolves they have got a draw against Newcastle so it's not as if they've had a disastrous start to the season but the Pozzo family are very very brutal and actually Ranieri made the point in his press conference yesterday 
that in Italy, it's not that surprising that they get through so many managers. It, it's a far more Italian thing to do, to sack, 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 sack. In this country, we're a little bit more shocked, I think, when managers lose their job quite early. But Ranieri sat there and said, listen, it happens in Italy, and I'm, I'm, I'm very used to it. So we'll see what, what happens. It's not a, an ideal start, is it? Liverpool at home, um, because clearly Liverpool this year are going to be one of the, the title favourites. They've started really well. They obviously had a rocky time last year. Really weren't helped by Anfield being behind closed doors like every ground was, but the fans were missed. And Liverpool are one of the teams, one of the big four, really. Chelsea, Manchester City, Manchester United, they've all started well. Liverpool right up there. Uh, Mo Salah has been excellent. Sadio Mane, uh, Diego Jota, very good. They've been helped by having Virgil van Dijk back in the team, obviously. And they look much more like the, the Jurgen Klopp side that we, we knew a couple of years ago when they romped to the Premier League title. So you fully expect Liverpool to win this one. But as always, when a new manager's in town, I think there's going to be a bit about Watford. And you just never know. Vicarage Road will be buoyant. They'll be bouncing. They'll be right behind Ranieri. And early kickoff, that can sometimes play a part. And they can be quite sleepy affairs. But I expect Liverpool to triumph. But I think Claudio Ranieri's side will give them a good game. That often occurs in many respects in world sport. You get a new manager in and all of a sudden the new lease of life really comes across the side. Mm. And we've seen that on a number of occasions in the past. We're speaking with Chris Coles for the BBC. Leicester take on Manchester United Sunday morning Australian time. It's a match that could go, I reckon, either of two ways. It could be a blockbuster in many ways or it could be a real arm wrestle. It's interesting, Man United's form heading into the international break was a little bit haphazard. Their results against Leicester last season weren't all that great either. Having said that, Leicester haven't been all that good in terms of their form in recent times. They've been one of the most disappointing teams, I think, throughout the opening two months of the season, winless in their last four English Premier League games. Is it going to click for the Foxes at all this season, Chris? It's an interesting one, Damien, isn't it? And you're right. You, you look at the Premier League table after seven games, and Leicester are down there in, in 13. And given how well they've started the previous seasons, and actually not just started well, but carried on that form right the way through to the dying embers of the last two seasons, where they narrowly missed out on Champions League football. They really should have, have qualified during lockdown season, but lockdown didn't help them. They lost the momentum and, and ended up in the Europa League. Similar story last season. To see them down there in 13th is undoubtedly a surprise, and not many would have had them there at the start of the season. That They've not been held by some of their big players, perhaps not firing on all cylinders. So Yuri Tillemans, for instance, in the middle of that Leicester midfield is someone that they very much rely on as the playmaker. He hasn't quite hit the heights of previous seasons. In Jamie Vardy, they've still got a striker scoring plenty of goals. He's right up there in terms of goal scores this season. But defensively, they've looked very suspect. And no Johnny Evans, which is massive for Leicester. The, the Northern Ireland defender has, has not featured uh, very much at all this season for Leicester. And he has been badly missed. He's a very, very capable player. And take him out of the team, Leicester have struggled. Yannick Vestergaard, who came in from Southampton over the summer, has done OK, but just at times has been a bit suspect in terms of his positioning. Brendan Rodgers has, has not, I don't think, settled on a back four that he's, he's happy with. We've seen a couple of different formations. So, yeah, it's been, it's been tough for Leicester. Throwing their Europa League campaign, it never does help because they're playing Thursdays and Sundays. And, OK, you can argue that there is no different for the Champions League teams playing Wednesday to Saturday. But there's something about the Thursday-Sunday equation that teams don't really get on board with. And their game prior to the international break, 2-2 against Crystal Palace. Leicester were 2-0 up. 
But it was one of those games, Damien, that you just always thought Palace would get back into because Leicester never looked comfortable. And indeed, Crystal Palace scored twice and, and probably should have gone on to win the game. So Brendan Rodgers is certainly not under pressure, nowhere near it. But the natives are getting a little bit restless and will want to see improvement after this international break. Manchester United, I mean, yeah, you can argue the same for Manchester United. They had a good start to the season. They've had, well, they've had a good start to the season. They're, they're, they're fourth in the table. They're level on points with Manchester City and only two behind Chelsea. But there is always this narrative around Manchester United and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And I think because he's not a, a big managerial name, he is always likely to be under scrutiny. And many fans have pointed to the fact that had a big name been in charge of Manchester United for the length of time that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been, and not picked up a major trophy, which is true of Solskjaer, then he'd be under a lot more pressure and probably wouldn't be in the job. But because he's a Manchester United legend and all the rest of it, he's been giving a bit of a free pass. I think that's a little bit harsh. Manchester United under Jose Mourinho clearly needed a reset. And I think Oli's come in and, and done a pretty good job in that regard. And obviously they're looking at their players, their big players like Bruno Fernandes, like Cristiano Ronaldo to get them moving forward. Their results, as you mentioned before the break, were not great. They lost to Aston Villa at Old Trafford. They got a one-all draw against Everton and they scraped past Villarreal in the Champions League. So there's improvement to come from Manchester United and they'll look at the Leicester game as an opportunity to take three points because of the form Leicester are showing. But I can't see, I can't really make a strong case for either side as you alluded to in your in your question then. So I think the draw is is probably not going to be a million miles away for this one. Well, Chris, we go from one Manchester side to another. Manchester City take on Burnley. It's an interesting one because Man City probably needed the break. They did so much travelling. They went to London to face Chelsea. They went to Paris to play PSG in the Champions League. And then they went over to travel to play Liverpool. And the break, it's fair to say, came at the right time. They've got a soft landing coming up against Burnley. And Man City do have a very good record against this side, as you would expect in the last eight meetings in all competitions between these two. It's gone City way with an aggregate score of 30 goals to one. So you would expect hmm. Man City to get the job done here, surely? Uh, yeah, you absolutely would. You're right. And, and poor old Burnley must look at the fixture list and think, right, when are we going to the Etihad Stadium? Yeah. When do we have to endure it? Okay, there it is. Fine, let's get it out of the way. Uh, you look at the odds, uh, I think 8-1 to one on Manchester City, 18-1 uh, to one Burnley, which is staggering odds for a two-horse race, but it just shows you the dominance that Manchester City have enjoyed over Burnley and also shows you the quality of this Manchester City side. And they have started the season well. And worryingly, I think, for for everyone else, you still feel that there is a lot more to come from this Manchester City side. Prior to the break, they they had Kevin De Bruyne kind of in and out because he, he, he missed the start of the season because of injury. So he's gradually getting back up to form. Uh, Phil Foden has been an absolute revelation for City. We've been waiting for the season, I think, that Phil Foden really bursts onto the scene and dominates his, his, keeps his place for a long period of time in that Manchester City side, which we know is very difficult because they've got so many brilliant players that all want to play in very similar positions, whether it be Kevin De Bruyne, Ilke Gundogan, Riyad Mahrez, Ferran Torres, Bernardo Silva, Raheem Sterling. They've got so many. So for Phil Foden, it's been difficult. But the last few games that he's played prior to the break and also for England, he just looks a class above. And for someone still so young, um, he he is going on to huge things in the game. So I'm sure he'll start against Burnley. And then it's just a question of what Pep Guardiola does with the rest of his side. But they've got so many options there. 
that that any team he puts out are going to be overwhelming favourites to beat Burnley. And Sean Dyche's side, they've started very similar to last season, where they just didn't win many games at the start of the season, and they are winless so far this season. I think they're one of five teams or four teams now at the bottom of the table that are yet to win a game. Norwich, Newcastle, Southampton and Burnley. Sean Dyche won't be worried because he's seen all this before and as mentioned he started last season very much in a similar fashion and then they they picked up. I think it'll be that the the teams they're drawing against will be a a concern. A nil-nil against Norwich who have, have lost every game so far prior to that draw against Burnley. They got a uh, a draw against Leeds, who have started the season quite slowly. They lost the opening game of the season to Brighton. So they're, they're, they're picking up points, or they're not picking up points, against the teams that Sean Dyche will think, yeah, they're the teams we really should be beating. Manchester City, yeah, don't worry. No one's expecting you to win. He won't roll over. He'll try and make it difficult for City. But it'll be the games coming up. Southampton away, for instance. One of the teams that are winless. That's a big game on the horizon down at St Mary's. Then it's Brentford at home. They've got games against Crystal Palace, Tottenham Wolves and Newcastle on the horizon. So they're the games that will really define Burnley's season. But yes, tomorrow, or Saturday rather, it, it's, it's, it, anyone who goes against Manchester City um, is a very, very brave soul. Chris Coles from the BBC joining us. I concur with that, uh, with the way Man City are playing. Norwich take on Brighton, and the losing streak had to come to an end eventually, didn't it, for Norwich? They finally picked up an EPL point, but it could be, well, the start of another losing streak at this point. Brighton's certainly looking to extend its impressive run. They've been frustrated a little bit by Crystal Palace and Arsenal in their last two matches, but they can build up some confidence, Brighton, you would suspect, with a convincing and comprehensive win here. Yeah, I think so. And if you look at the surprise packages of the season, Brighton are certainly one of those teams because of of the way they've started. And there they are, level on points with Manchester City and Manchester United and Everton, too, who have also started very well. And I think it's taken everyone by surprise. Graham Potter, the manager there, does have a a very good reputation and his stock is, is growing and growing. Ever since he came to this country from Scandinavia to manage Swansea, he was very impressive with Swansea in the championship. Brighton liked what they saw, poached him, and he had a brief of, of getting Brighton away from trouble whilst playing attractive football. That's such a difficult brief in the Premier League because it is a brutal side, a brutal division. And if you're not a team like the big six, seven, eight, it's very difficult to play attractive football and win games because if you try and play attractive football with the big teams who also play attractive football, there's normally only one winner because the bigger teams have the, the, the better quality and the, the better players and all the rest of it. So the fact Brighton have, have started so well is, is, is really been an eye-opener. And they're, they're getting points against you know decent outfits. That win over Leicester, as mentioned, fine. Leicester haven't been so sharp. A draw against Arsenal. Likewise, Arsenal maybe not so good this season, but, but they were showing signs prior to the international break. Um, and, and what is impressive for Brighton is that the Phillies Hill last year, they didn't score enough goals. They created plenty of chances, but they didn't put the ball in the net. They're rectifying that this season, and they are finding goals. Neil Mope is, is chipping in with goals, and he's really their, their main threat and their big striker. Um, and again, against the Norwich side, you're right, who, as mentioned last time, that, that there's something not quite right there with Norwich. Last season when they were up, it, it was or two seasons ago now, there was a different feel about Norwich. There was lots of excitement and there was lots of enthusiasm and they gave it a go and it, it never really looked like they'd stay up, but at least they, they really did challenge. This season, they've not shown any of their 
the, the tenacity they showed that time around is a bit flat at Carrow Road and, and something just doesn't quite seem right for Daniel Farker. To get that point prior to the break was, was good. And you're right, it stopped that, that losing streak because as we saw last season with Sheffield United, who didn't win a game until January, they were, they were gone by December and never recovered. And you, you can't afford to do that if you're, if you're Norwich. So the run of games coming up here are massive for them because they have Brighton. Despite their start, Norwich will still see that as an opportunity. Chelsea away, forget it. Leeds, then Brentford, Southampton, Wolves, Newcastle. It's a big spell coming up for Norwich before we hit the, the, the next international break. And if they don't start picking up points soon, they'll be cut adrift. And then it's so difficult, both from a psychological perspective, to find yourself so far behind. Uh, and also just a simple fact of, of, of picking up the points. You, you have to win so many games then, which is always tough in this league when you're a team that's only just come up. So, yeah, I, I fancy Brighton again for this because of the form of both sides. But you just wonder, because Norwich has stopped that rot, you feel that at least they've, they've stopped that losing streak and they'll play with a touch more confidence, which they absolutely need to do if they're to, to get out of this sticky situation. Chris Coles joining us from the BBC. Southampton take on Leeds on Sunday morning Australian time. And it's fair to say draws have been the story of the season for both clubs, haven't they? I mean, Leeds is in the midst of a bit of a slump, a second season slump, and they're trying to reinvigorate that attacking style. Also, Southampton, they've only scored a tally of five goals, I think, this season. Seven goals in seven matches comparatively for Leeds. Will it be another draw here? <laughs> well, I mean, it's looking like that, isn't it? Yeah. And, and you wouldn't bet against it, absolutely, because, of, of as you say, the form of, of both teams. Um, Southampton, yeah, funny team, Southampton, because you, you feel that... They're perhaps one of the, the, the clutch of sides that will one season have a brilliant season and finish seventh or eighth and maybe qualify for Europe, but then they could easily get dragged down and finish in the relegation zone. And we, we see it so often with teams like Southampton in, in recent years. And, and the two sides that always stick to mind are Stoke and Swansea. Now, both sides enjoyed quite prolonged periods in the Premier League. Both sides qualified for Europe in their time in the Premier League, albeit they, they did it through domestic cup competitions rather than in the Premier League. And you thought, yeah, both are secure Premier League sides until suddenly they weren't. And it just took one season for both and down they went and both are still slugging it out in the Championship. And you feel that Southampton could be one of those sides that everyone thinks will be absolutely fine but then one bad season comes along and down they go and they struggle to get back up. And Ralph Hasenhutl, who has, has, has endured some really tough times at, at Southampton, no question, you know, losing, what was it, 9-0 nine, nine to, to Manchester United, losing 9-1, I think, to Leicester City in, in previous seasons. You know, they've had some really, really tough times. And this season, they've not been helped by losing Danny Ings, their star striker, to Aston Villa. And they've struggled to, to replicate his goals. Adam Armstrong, who came in from Blackburn in the Championship, new in the Premier League, so will take time. Encouraging, though, is that they've, they've looked all right. Despite not winning games, they've looked OK in the draws. Uh, a draw against Newcastle, a draw against West Ham, a great draw against Manchester City. So there you go. There's proof that they have it in them to, to battle with the best. Um, they lost 1-0 at home to Wolves, despite playing well, didn't take their chances. You've got to improve that, and you have to do that quickly. Otherwise, as we mentioned with Norwich, you could find yourselves in, in a really difficult situation. As for Leeds, yeah, second season syndrome, you're right. And it's really strange because fans are back at Ellen Road now. So if you were to think 
which season are Leeds going to really struggle in? Their first one back up with no fans or the second one with fans? And you'd say the first one because Ellen Road is such a, a cathedral of football and, and the natives that go there congregate in such numbers and the atmosphere is always so good. It helps Leeds emphatically, but it didn't bother them last season. They were brilliant under Marcelo Bielsa. This time, I'm not sure. You could throw a few reasons at it. Our team's working Leeds out now. Do they know that it's going to be relentless? It's going to be fast-paced? It's, it's all about making sure that Marcelo Bielsa's side don't play with the energy and the high tempo that they normally do. Throwing injuries, that's had an effect, no question. Patrick Bamford, their big striker from last season, is out for a little bit. They've had defensive worries as well. Calvin Phillips has been in and out. They've not been helped by the international break. So players like Rafinha, who go away with Brazil, often come back a little bit tired, a little bit jaded, take some time to get back up to speed. And then when they do, they're back off for another international break. So factor all these things, and perhaps it's not surprising that, that Leeds have, have struggled. Although their last game before the break, they beat Watford by a goal to nil. Maybe that will be the trigger. I think they will be absolutely fine. It's just a matter of time before they click. But this is an interesting matchup, Southampton-Leeds. Another one. Damien, that I wouldn't be 100% sure who to back. <laughs> which is why I just go with the draw in that situation, which is and fair <laughs> enough too. We're speaking with Chris Coles from the BBC. Brentford v Chelsea is an interesting one because Brentford, I think, have been one of the plots of the season to really dissect in an mm. interesting way. The Bees have lost just once in their opening seven matches in the top flight here. And not only have they been competitive, they've really pushed sides to a significant detail to the significant brink, really. I mean, you look at that entertaining three-all draw with Liverpool. They defeated Arsenal. Chelsea's going to be a big task, though. Having said that, Chelsea do have their injury worries. So could Brentford pull off a victory here? They do, yeah. I mean, yeah, on Brentford, you're right. They've been brilliant. And I talk about the the surprise package being Brighton. You have to bracket Brentford in there, absolutely. They're only two points behind Brighton in, in seven. I suppose... The reason I call Brighton more surprising than Brentford is that we didn't really see this coming from Brighton because of last season. With Brentford, there was just a hint that this was how they would go about it because they they were excellent in the championship last season. They've been excellent in the championship for the last few seasons and have always come so close to promotion. And the way they play is, is so exciting to watch. Thomas Frank, the manager, encourages all-action football and it's front foot and it's, excuse me, it's just brilliant to watch, which is why when, when Liverpool came to town, a couple of weeks ago, you just knew it was going to be a brilliant game and it didn't disappoint. Six goals in it, finished 3-3. It could have been about seven all. It was everything that you want to watch from a neutral's perspective in a Premier League game. And the way they, they set up, they, they, they've, got, they've got square pegs in, in square holes and, and that makes such a difference for them so that every player knows their job. Ivan Tony up front is a brilliant focal point and he's a fantastic finisher. In behind Tony, you've got the, the cleverness of, of Sergi Canos and the, the speed and pace of, of Brian and Burmo, who is chipping in with lots of good goals. And then behind them, you've got the battling qualities of players like Christian Norgard. Um, you've got uh, Visser and Baptiste in there as well that are very good. And behind all of that, a pretty solid defence. Ethan Pinnock and Pontus Janssen have been around the block a few times and the fullbacks love to, to get forward. Rico Henry on the left-hand side in particular is a very, very exciting prospect. So if Brentford can keep that way of playing up, they will trouble lots of sides and we've seen it with Liverpool being the prime example. They beat Arsenal first game of the season. They were excellent, although they were as good as Arsenal were bad in that game. Arsenal have since improved and they got a really impressive win away at West Ham who have started the season well just before the international break. So this will be a really, really interesting game. And you're right. 
Uh, Chelsea do have their injury problems. In particular, Romelu Lukaku is is a is a major doubt, and that's a that's a big blow, obviously, for Chelsea, who will rely on on Lukaku to to get them lots of goals this season. Under Thomas Tuchel, they've looked very good, and that, that's one of the main reasons why they're fancied to be a real challenger this season. Clearly, when you win the Champions League in the season before, you're you're, you're looking at uh, the next year's Premier League and thinking, yeah, you've, you've got a real chance of, of of success. But you're right, no Lukaku, there's no Reese James either. So, yeah, maybe now is a good time to be playing Chelsea. But at the Brentford Community Stadium, at home, it's the it's the late game with us on, on Saturday. So it's in front of the TV cameras. As we know, we're getting into autumn, winter time. So it'll be yeah. under the floodlights. All the ingredients are there for a really entertaining game of football. And it finished 3-3 between Brentford and Liverpool. Would I be totally surprised if it finished something like that? Chelsea more secure than Liverpool, I think, at the back, it's fair mm. to say. But it wouldn't surprise me if, if that's a high-scoring affair as well. We'll see what happens. Everton take on West Ham. And the Hammers are in a little bit of a Forbes slump at the moment. Just one win of their last five matches. They've got Europa League duties to compound upon that as well in terms of the workload. Everton, I think, has claimed 10 points from its last five matches, including a point at Old Trafford in their last match. And if Everton didn't have a significant injury list, you'd probably say this is straightforward, but there's a certain amount of uncertainty over Dominic Calvert-Lewin and a number Mm. of others as well. So you just wonder what's going to happen there. How do you think this one will shape up? Yeah, and I think that's the most impressive aspect behind Everton's form because they've showed, even though they have a lengthy injury list, and you're right, you mentioned Dominic Calvert-Lewin, they, they've been without uh, Richarlison for a large parts of, of the of the season as well, who who scored plenty of goals last season. They've, they've embarked on this start of the season without some of their of their big hitters, and it was imperative that Rafa Benitez at Everton did that because, as we know, his history with Liverpool it wasn't overly popular when he came to to Everton. Um, but I think the fans are, are accepting now that. Okay, you've had a decent start. Can you push on? Carlo Ancelotti, when he was at Everton last season, did exactly the same. Had a really good start and then just tailed off. Ancelotti's problems came with injuries in the middle part of the season, whereas Benitez's problems have come with injuries at the start of the season. However, they are picking up decent results. The picture this hasn't been too bad for them. The, 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 the wins they've got, Southampton, winless, as we've mentioned. Brighton, okay, they've played well. They've beaten Burnley, still winless. And they've beaten Norwich, still winless. So they've, they've beaten the bottom four teams, or three of the bottom four teams there. Um, so perhaps their run should just be tempered slightly by that. But then they did get that draw against Manchester United. You're right. So it's still a very capable team, clearly. Everton take out Talbot-Lewin and Richarlison. You still have the likes of, of um, Andros Townsend, who started the season brilliantly. Abdelaide Corey and Alan. The holders in that midfield are very, very impressive. Damari Gray has been a very, very good pickup from Leverkusen. And they've got a very solid back four. Five, if you include the goalkeeper, Jordan Pickford, Michael Keane and Yerry Mina, very, very solid. Ben Godfrey, likewise. And Luca Dinia, the French left-back, is, a, is an excellent player. So maybe not surprised that Everton are where they are and the teams they've beaten, you expect them to beat. As for West Ham, yeah, really good start to the season. And then the Europa League hits. And it, it's amazing how, as we consistently talk about, the Europa League just affects the psyche of, of sides that maybe don't have the luxury of huge squad rotation like the, the big teams in this league have. But if you're West Ham, you're still looking at the season and thinking, well, hang on a minute, we've only lost twice. One of them to Manchester United and the other one to Brentford. And Brentford scored at the London Stadium in something like the 95th sort of minute 
and West Ham really did lay siege to the Brentford goal. So David Moyes will be perfectly content with the start that his side have made. It'll just be balancing his team now when you're playing Sunday as they do against, or Sunday with us against Everton, then Thursday back in the Europa League, then Sunday against Tottenham. They're still in the, in the EFL Cup as well, the League Cup, where they play Man City. So David Moyes, the, the big task now leading into the next international break will be managing his side and making sure that they are absolutely ready to go in, on all fronts. He might have to prioritise. So the EFL Cup might take third billing, the Europa League might take second billing, and it might be the Premier League that takes centre stage, as it so often is with Premier League managers because of the lucrative nature of finishing high up in the, in the, in the top flight. But another interesting matchup and another one that you would really like to call because there are, there are good cases to be made for both Everton and West Ham. Yes, it's going to be intriguing. And another intriguing match is a penultimate one of the week ahead. Newcastle taking on Tottenham. And Newcastle, of course, with new owners, a new era effectively. Their attack hasn't been too bad. It's just they've probably got the worst defence in the Premier League. So they're going to have to shore up that area. It's going to be Steve Bruce's 1,000th match as a manager, possibly his last as well. See what he can make out of the little time he potentially has left. Tottenham, they've struggled since that early rub where they topped the Premier League. How do you think this one will shape up, given the amount of subplots attached to it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you couldn't ask for more subplots, could you? Yeah. Uh, Newcastle, the, the big story of the last two weeks, no question. They're controversial. I think it's fair to say takeover. The £305 million takeover from PIF, the Saudi Arabian-backed consortium, and the legal wranglings that went back and forth between Newcastle, the Premier League, and the Saudi Arabian-backed consortium really revolved around Saudi Arabia's um, involvement in the company PIF. And, and the Premier League, obviously, were, were very unhappy at the prospect of, of the government being involved in owning a football club. And obviously, if you start delving into that, you're going to get into in, politically into all sorts of bother. However, very quickly, it seemed to be resolved. And before we knew it, we were talking about this this takeover that has huge ramifications, not just for the Premier League, but for world Football, £320 billion behind these guys. They are comfortably, Newcastle now, comfortably the richest club in world football by hundreds of billions of pounds. We're not even talking about a couple of billion. They are mega, mega rich. What does this mean for Newcastle? What does this mean for the Premier League? And what does this mean for football globally? It's a really interesting time ahead. For Newcastle fans, they're just delighted that their former owner, Mike Ashley, is out the door because he wasn't popular on Tyneside. They felt he neglected Newcastle, didn't show enough ambition, didn't pump as much money as they wanted to see into a club that are traditionally high up the table. So the fact that these guys have come in with the money, well, the fans are salivating. For Steve Bruce, yeah, I think he knows his days are numbered. You're right. It's a thousandth game in football is in, as, manager, as a manager is this weekend. I suspect the owners will give him that game mm. and then maybe the decision will come after that. And then, well, all eyes on who comes in as manager because suddenly that job is very attractive yes. if there's lots of money to spend. And then January, all eyes on who actually comes in. The problem Newcastle will have, I think, is that they can't just go and sign Mbappe and Messi and Ronaldo and all the rest of them because you've got to sell Newcastle and they're not in European competition and they're not challenging for the top of the table. So why would these stars come? And all right, you can argue they'll be paid lots of money, fine. But I think there's more to that in the footballer psyche these days. So the sort of players linked with Newcastle, the players like Mauro Riccardi, the Italian striker, Aaron Ramsey at Juventus, players like that that maybe aren't getting in their teams 
but would easily get into most sides in the Premier League. So, yeah, really interesting to see what develops over the coming months at Newcastle. And Spurs, yeah, <sighs> you're right, oh, clearly, because you, you know full well, Damien, yeah. they started fine under Nuno. They had they started in a fashion that many expected them to be because it was the way Nuno developed his Wolves side, tight at the back and very good on the counter-attack. So good wins against Manchester City to start the season. Good win away at his former club, Wolves, and Watford. But all those games were 1-0, 1-0, 1-0. Then came the game against Crystal Palace. Jaffet Tanganga gets sent off with the game quite tight and Tottenham lose 3-0. And then come the, the succession of London derbies, which you just dared not lose. And sadly for Tottenham, they lost them in such a manner that fans were bitterly unhappy. 3-0 at home to Chelsea, 3-1 away at Arsenal, and the performances were pretty toothless. Since then, they've beaten Ennis Mura in the Europa Conference League. Fine, you know, always expecting that, 5-1. But then they beat, then they beat Villa, 2-1. And that's OK, because Villa has started the season OK. Tottenham's big issue seems to be Harry Kane at the moment. He's not himself. He was subbed in the England game against Hungary, unheard of, as England captain. And there's just something not right there, whether it's psychologically because he missed out on his move to Manchester City, whether it's physically because he does look a little bit jaded and does look a little bit tired. Clearly, he had a big summer with England at the Euros and maybe that's catching up with him. I don't know, but Tottenham are desperate for him to start firing. They've got four away games on the bounce now across a variety of competitions. Newcastle, obviously, this weekend. Then it's Vitesse Arnhem in the Conference League, West Ham then in the Premier League and then Burnley away in the EFL Cup. That's a niggly, tricky little spell. Not only are they all away from home, but Newcastle now buoyed by new owners. And you guarantee that St. James's Park will be absolutely rocking. Absolutely rocking because the fans are so happy that know Mike Ashley now. And then West Ham away is going to be a tough game because of the way they've started. So this, this could be a really interesting spell for Nuno Espirito Santo. Uh, is the pressure on, as always, with a job as big as Tottenham? There are always rumours. There's nothing from the top. I'd be surprised if, if Daniel Lee is close to, to sacking him because it would it would also show on his behalf that they made a mistake in hiring him. So I think he still has time. But he, he needs a few more improved performances and he needs to pick up some, some more results. So Spurs are, are challenging at the at the top end of the table. Worth saying, though, Damien, quickly, they're seventh with 12 points, only two points behind third and Manchester City. So yeah. if you do know, you're probably saying, listen, guys, it's not that bad. Hey, it could be worse. Um, so we'll see what develops over the coming weeks. And just lastly, Chris, Arsenal take on Crystal Palace Tuesday morning Australian time. And it's funny, the international break probably came at the wrong time for the Gunners because it halted their momentum. They've been fantastic in defence in recent times, haven't they? They've kept three clean sheets in their last four matches. They've come out of the international break relatively unscathed injury-wise as well. And you would suspect they could potentially regain that momentum despite the international break against Crystal Palace here. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you're right. There, there are some times when the break occurs and for teams that are playing really well, it's the worst time for oh, them no. because they want to keep that momentum going. And uh, conversely, there are teams that think, oh, thank goodness the break is here because we were in terrible form or we've got too many injuries and the break gives us a chance to reset, get some bodies back and go again. Arsenal, the former, because they were playing so well before the break. Terrible start to the season and there was real pressure under Mikel Arteta because of the previous seasons as well where fans have perceived that maybe the progress hasn't been as speedy as they would like. And they started the season with an abject 2-0 defeat away at Brentford. Then they lost 2-0 at home to Chelsea and they lost 5-0 away at Manchester City without scoring a goal. 0-2, 0-2, 0-5, real pressure. 
and then the run turns around. They, I mean, for, well, they couldn't have asked for two better sides to play, it has to be said. Norwich and Burnley, they beat 1-0 Norwich, 1-0 Burnley. But then the 3-1 win against Tottenham, they did seem a different side, and the draw away at Brighton. Now, Arsenal fans will say, OK, it's nothing to get too excited about just yet, but it's the way that they're playing now, and, and there's no doubt they struggled with injuries early on. But now, with Bukaya Saka in decent form, with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang getting back to his, his goal-scoring best. They look a bit more solid in defence now, with Kieran Tierney and Ben White really uh, bedding in. Thomas Partey has recently come back into the fray, the centre midfielder. So they, they're looking a much more secure team now, and, and with exciting youngsters like Saka, like Emil Smith-Rowe, like Martin Odegaard. It's an exciting team, you feel, for Arsenal, and Nicolas Arteta just needs to get them ticking over and clicking. As for Crystal Palace, it's been a funny one because Patrick Vieira, since taking the road to Roy Hodgson, has built a team that looks very attractive on paper and, and looks like a, a really good attacking team. And when you look at the team that they have and the players they have, you think, yeah, this, there's reason for Palace fans to be pretty excited because of the players like Conor Gallagher, who started the season really well on loan from Chelsea. They signed Mark Gooey from, from Chelsea as well on loan, solid at the back. A couple with the dangerous Wilfred Zaha and, and Olsen Edouard has started well, the striker from Celtic. And you're thinking, yeah, this Palace team can trouble lots of, of teams. And yet, all of a sudden, they were 2-0 down at home to Leicester, but always looked like turning it around, which they eventually did. So I think Palace are going to be one of those sides that, that lose a few and win a few and then lose a few and then win a few. And, and they will find and probably finish between 10th and 16th and there'll be no worries. But I think they'll play a style of football that the, the Selhurst Park fans will quite enjoy. And as always, with some of these sides, Palace being the perfect example, they need they need their good players to remain fit. They need Wilfred Zaha to stay fit. They need Conor Gallagher to stay fit. Uh, Odson Edward as well. And if they do that, they can build the team around those three players. Michael Elise as well, youngster from Reading, who looks really, really good, is probably going to get more game time this side of the international break. So when Palace play, it's going to be entertaining. Arsenal, you back for this. I think you would you would put Arsenal as favourites. But, you know, talking of subplots, there's a great one here with Patrick Vieira returning to mm. Arsenal, clearly where he had his most success in, uh, in in football. So looking forward to that one. Should be a good way to, to round what is, Damien, a really interesting weekend of fixtures. Yes, and we'll see what happens this time next week as well as to whether the dynamic of the season changes. Chris, really appreciate your time all the way from the UK. Hope you're going well. How is the situation? Everyone's pretty much back to normal there, aren't they? It is, yeah. No, it, it, it's very much back to normal. I think we're all just hesitant slightly because of, of, of winter coming and the, the, the figures are just beginning slowly to creep back up in terms of number of cases and things like that. So I think we're, we're just hoping that because of the vaccination program here, that it has an effect in autumn and winter. But yeah, we, we're just beginning to see the numbers creep back up again. But no, as far as life is concerned, it is it is pretty much back to normal. And we, we desperately hope that it remains that way through Christmas. But uh, we shall see what develops, because as I say, the, the numbers are, sl- I mean, not, not hugely worth stressing, but slowly just beginning to, to, to get higher and higher, which isn't a surprise because the colder months and we, we hear that obviously coronavirus spreads quicker in colder weather. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. We just hope that the vaccine does its job and, and limits those numbers as we move through the, uh, through the colder months. Well, Chris, really appreciate your time once again, mate. All the best. And thanks again for dissecting the English Premier League fixtures up ahead. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. As always, Damien, speak soon. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it, like um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.